kind of buzz, and it's all because this is how we do it. I just gotta get the frog out of my throat, and we're good. Quit blowing frogs. You know, I don't make fun of you for rolling bums, so don't make fun of me for blowing frogs. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's the same. They're both hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for Justice League Generation Lost to end, so you motherfuckers can buy something else that I buy. I don't know, Paul. You got us both on Spider-Man. That's pretty. Yeah, that's I'm trying pretty to think good, of right? what other book you're reading that I might want to buy, and I, I, you know, it's certainly not, uh, you know, Scrooge McDuck or whatever. Wait, you're reading. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait for the indie spotlight, Aaron. It's coming. Scrooge McDuck is not an indie book. It is not an indie book. Nor is something made by Image, to be honest. But who gives a shit? Not DC or Marvel. Did I lose everybody? No, yep. no, I'm right there with you, Chief. I just, oh, you lost me. I broke the fuck podcast. The fuck podcast. Hey Wayne. Yeah. How many people you guys have RSVP'd for Fear the Con so far? Hundred and twenty two. It's great. Sweet. I gotta book my shit. Yeah, for this that's good numbers for this early. Did the did the room block get secured yet? Yep. Okay. I saw that there was a thread earlier this week and I, I hadn't seen the official on it, so but I'll book my room this week. I probably will wait until uh, later on this month to book my flight. Well, I know Wayne will sleep better now knowing that you're here to shit here. I know that he will. Wayne is very concerned about these things. That's right. I don't know about the sleeping better, though. We uh, we went out and got a new bed last night. My wife was, uh, she really wanted one of those memory foam beds, and I really don't like it. Is this is this what's going to cause y'all to have two beds in the same room? You're going to sleep, <laughs> sleep like the and Harry style. Yes. <laughs> nice. Good night, Ozzy. I see a new feature coming to Ideology of Madness. (laughs) Sleeping on the couch. If we did that, she'd have a standard. I'd have the queen all to myself. You'd walk in, it wouldn't be two twin beds. It'd be one giant one and one tiny little thing in a corner. Yeah, called a cot. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your cot, honey. One queen-size bed and one sleeping bag on the floor. I made you up a pallet on the floor, dear. This is where you sleep. You can come up on the bed when it's time for you to meet your marital expectations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the wife's not real impressed with the queen-size bed since we got it. She, we got it because the thought was there'd be more room. Uh-huh. And it is, unless I do the division sign thing that I usually do. Meaning that you're sleeping cattywampus across the bed? That's right. Yeah. Like or, you're making snow angels? Sideways, absolutely. <laughs> It's like even a even a stupid uh, queen size ain't gonna save it at that point. Now you know we we have a king size bed. There is the headboard has this very definitive centerpiece, you know, you know, like center point on the headboard, and the wife will venture over onto my side of the bed, and she'll catch me looking up, you know, because it, it, it's like the it's like the dividing line, you know, your side my side, and she's like, what are you doing? Well, I just can't help but notice that you ventured over my part of the bed <laughs> and it really turned you know because you know if you're if you're coming over for for uh, for sex this is welcome and 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 absolutely appropriate if you're just coming over because you're more comfortable crowding me gtfo <laughs> i need you to i need you to put a sticker on your side of the bed on the headboard that says no soliciting here <laughs> paul's gonna bring that and put it in his room at uh st louis yo <laughs> I'm totally crashing in Paul's room in St. Louis. You guys what? are welcome to join oh, us. Oh, that's going to happen. Yeah, you guys are welcome to join us. <laughs> Nobody. No. 
I think I'll just sleep in my own bed. I have to say that what I plan on doing is I'm going to post his room number and just invite all, you know, <laughs> Funny Books listeners and Fear the Boot listeners to just come and party in Paul's room. We're going to call it the party room. Slot, party. slot six, orgy at Paul's room. Need a place to crash, need a place to poop, come to Paul's room. <laughs> Jonathan Landreth may apply. <laughs> I'll have keys made for everyone. <laughs> Nice. Knocking no, on no my keys. door. They got to go in through the window. <laughs> well, you see, what I, what I was thinking is that, you know, because they do have those uh, adjoining rooms. So I thought that I'd get the adjoining room so I could just pop that door open and let people, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> like a nightclub. <laughs> well, well, we're not the ones that said we wanted to be popular, Mr. Ponte. That was you. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Did you eat chili all day at Fear the Con? Here, go to Paul's room and use the facilities. <laughs> awesome. Green chili. <sighs> Green lantern. Through North America, you pussies. Fucking shit my comics on Wednesday. <laughs> what? Comicsology's like, due to inclement weather throughout North America, comic shipments may be delayed. How about you just suck it up and go to work like everybody else in the fucking free world? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> My comic shop's doing a special free comic book day. I think they called it like 9.5 or something like that today, where they've got a bunch of the old free comic book day books for the last couple of years oh, yeah. all gathered up that they're just giving out today. They're That's awesome. That. They shouldn't call it free comic book. They should call it shit in my basement to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steaming pile of free comic book day. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably get about as much response to that as we did. Yeah, two. Two people will show up. Wayne and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and she won't want anything. She's just picking up shit for Wayne. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> I bring her to every free comic book day so I can get more books. I'm kind of pissed because I just found out Umberto Ramos. Umberto Ramos. Umberto Ramos is in D.C. Oh, really? Like. Like two and a half hours away. You gonna go I'm see like, him? Son of a bitch! I don't know. We'll see. I, it's kind of a far to go last minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if I had known earlier, it would be definite. But now I'm like, uh, I mean, I want to go. But he could draw you some big feet. He could, and some Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, I, need you, I need you to draw this Spider-Man for me and send all my love to Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck that. You know what? Just draw me Black Cat. I'll be happy. 652 comes out next week. Yeah. It's it's not bi-weekly. It's twice a month. Mm. That's how they get away with this fucked up schedule. If the people at Diamond can get to their little jobs in a little bit of snow. Has everyone heard about that Walking Dead Weekly that Tim won't be reading? Yes. There's a Walking Dead Weekly? Nope. Yep. Reprint of everything. They're starting with issue one, and every week they're reprinting until they catch up. And how much are they going to uh, cover price those? Two ninety nine. Scumbags! It's like Man. dumb shit. They really should have already... like for like a buck ninety nine on that. Yeah, or even better, ninety nine cents. But that's probably no, that's probably nothing. They've already made all their money off of those issues and the billion fucking trade paperback versions of them. And it's not like they're paying for color. Yeah. Well, and you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna sell a gazillion of those. <laughs> Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> no, you read the uh, Vagina Monologues uh, graphic novel. Indeed. <laughs> I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> Not the book I was thinking it was. 
Apparently, Diary of a Wimpy Kid did well enough in theaters that they're making a second one. While I was waiting in line at Green Hornet, I was looking through the book and to see just what was coming wait, out. Wait, wait, There was a line at Green Hornet? Wait, well, yeah, save it's... it for the show. Oh, <laughs> it's the show. Leave it in. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, start this shit. Aaron, go. Welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. All right, back to the conversation. You saw <laughs> there was a line at Green Hornet? Well, there was a line for all of these things. I get uh, advanced movie tickets sometimes, so I'll get to see things before they come out by like a week or by a day or something. And generally, you have to get there kind of early and you wait an hour or so in line even for movies that you would, would normally never fill up because their tickets are free, they fill up pretty quickly. So, yeah, there was a very long line for Green Hornet. Okay, so, Aaron, Tim, am I the only one who heard that Wayne saw a comic book-related movie before it was released and didn't post a sneak review, a sneak peek advanced review on ideologyofmadness.com? Uh, yeah, I heard that. I oh, thought that's... about it, but I didn't. <laughs> because why because wayne has work ethic <laughs> so wayne so, how was green hornet you know it seemed like it was a very good movie in theory like i'm watching it and everything is lining up and everything seems like it's gonna be pretty good except i really dislike seth rogan in that role mm-hmm. I wanted a more serious Green Hornet. I wanted a guy that looked like he was in shape. I wanted Green Hornet to be more than an accessory to Kato. I wanted him to basically even just at least pull his own weight, and he didn't. And the villain. The villain was so corny. He he had the name Cheknovsky, but he didn't think that was scary enough. So he changed his name to Bloodnovsky because that was scarier and started wearing all red. So this 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 script was an improvement over the Kevin Smith script. I <laughs> uh, actually I would say over Kevin Smith's. Yeah, it could have been a good movie. <laughs> Take that, really, Kevin Smith. It really could have been a good movie, and that's the sad part. There were parts of it that I really enjoyed, but I just disliked Seth Rogen in that role. He ruined the movie. Well, and I have to say that was the reason why I don't want to see the movie is I don't want to see a campy, humorous Green Hornet. I want to see something that's a little bit more serious. Yeah, it was definitely campy, definitely humorous. It was funny. They, uh, I really disliked their fight scenes because they would uh, – everything would freeze. And then Kato, because he's the only one that actually could fight, as he looked around at everyone, things would flash red. Like a guy's gun would flash red, and then another guy's head would flash red, and then another guy's chest. And then suddenly it would go into regular speed, and Kato would jump around hitting everywhere that hit, that it flashed red. It was like he was playing Fallout 3 and he went into vats or something. 
Well, and, you know, I forget the actor's name, but you know, the, the guy that plays Kato is the same guy that played Sulu in Star Trek 2009. What's his? What's that actor's name? Wait, what? He is? Isn't he the same guy who played uh, Sulu? No, no, John Cho played Sulu. Kumar played Sulu. No, Harold played Sulu. Apparently, we don't know who played Sulu, but the guy, but but the guy who plays Cato in Green Hornet isn't really a martial artist, um, you know. Whereas Bruce Lee played that role in the TV series, and I just really wish that they had gotten a true martial artist for that role. It was all very choreographed fighting and yeah. things like that. He did a good job with that part. He there was a little bit too much slapstick from him as well at times, but. Yeah, overall, it it just had so much potential watching it that it didn't live up to because of Seth Rogen. You know, Aaron likes to watch things that are serious, like I, True TV and the movie Wall Street and Farmer's Futures at 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday. <laughs> and and, and I like Batman the, XXX. And, well, the Farm Film Report. I like to watch the Farm Film Report. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but he took time away from all of those things this week. To watch two hours of the Cape. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I Here did. Get wrapped up in the Cape. <clears throat> wow that that show was colossally bad. It was just it, there, there was there was a show there was a a good show trying to get out, and just really really bad. Anybody else watch that thing? I watched oh, yeah. it. What would you guys think? I think that was pretty accurate. I saw a really <laughs> good show that uh, that just was struggling to get out and it it couldn't. There was. Uh, I didn't like the special effects for the cape itself. I thought the disappearing special effects were okay. It really felt dated. I mean, I know it's a show that just came out, but it felt like a superhero show from the late 80s, early 90s. You know, I if if they could have gotten rid of the, the, the jerk ass with the cape and focused on the circus, I, I'd have been down for watching that show. Oh, and I, I'm so the opposite side of that because I was like, ugh, there's a circus in this, and I just hate the circus. How could, I was, <laughs> how could you say no to 15 episodes of that muscle-bound, bald-headed, badass midget, Aaron? Now, I did like him. I Don't oh get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, but I, I did like him, but I just needed him separate from the circus. So because, I, watched, I watched this with my wife, and after they do the whole training thing with him, and then the cape goes and gets beat up because he still can't fight, my wife turns to me and goes, how could someone trained to fight by a midget fight so badly? <laughs> yeah well obviously the villain was too tall for him to take on <laughs> he was normal sized he was well, only trained to fight midgets and i gotta say if the show was about you know the little guy i'd be all over that because oh, yeah. i loved watching him kick people's asses in that show that was the high point of the show for me but you know there's that scene where the guy finds the cape and he's sitting there playing with it. I'm like, is he gonna play dress up? What the what the hell? You know? And and he's doing this whole little flippy thing. You know, Look, this thing, it, it's it's all flippy. I can flip the cape. I could I could be a superhero. I mean, I could just see me going, hey, look at this t shirt. It doesn't make me look fat. I could be a superhero. <laughs> and what cracks me up is it you know, he finds the cape and it's not like he's digging through anything. It's sitting like right on top of a statue. Uh-huh. Right? And so he shows it to Keith David, and Keith David's like, oh, that old thing, I haven't seen that in years. It's fucking out in the open. It's like, how did you not see it? It's just right there. Do you not go into that room? Have you not been in that room in years? He doesn't go in that tent. 
football. <laughs> he purposely moved it and put it in the middle of the tent, but he hasn't seen it in years. Yeah. So when he's in full costume and shows up and starts talking to his son, my wife looks at me and goes, doesn't he realize how bad he's going to fuck up that kid's mind? Show up as a superhero and start talking to the kid. And then, you know, then the kid's going to go around telling everyone, I talked to the cape, who's a comic book character. A couple of things I didn't like about the show, most of it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But also, I don't like it when they say, you know, a special two-hour event. And it's just two single hour episodes. You know, I wish they when they when they're gonna be do the big two hour event, it's actually, you know, paced like a movie. But what you got was the pilot episode and episode one. And I, I just I, I hate that. I hate that. But well, how could a uh, show with a such innovative villain names like chess be bad? <laughs> oh, it was a bad, bad show. Don't forget scales. <laughs> 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 and it was like the guy could fight through 20, 30 minions and never get never touched. Get touched. But, the but the moment they, moment give, they the give the character a name, a name, it can beat him up. Well, yeah. I mean, that just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, there, I think its heart was in the right place, I guess. But it just, you know, there was so much wrong with the cape. And, you know, I appreciate the effort, but there was just so much wrong with it. The writing was poor. You know, they they didn't try anything really original. The hero gets his ass kicked all the time. So it's not like he's really a good hero. He's just kind of goes and he gets his ass kicked. And then the midgets saved him in the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) And in the second episode, I think in the second episode, he actually did something good. But, you know, it's like, meh. Well, you know, it's, I appreciate that that learning curve. You know, it's like Batman Year One. Batman wasn't awesome. You know, his first couple of missions out, you know, gets shot in the chest. You know, that kind of thing. But uh, you know, I, I appreciate that that there's that learning curve. But the problem that I had with the show is that oh, you know, I, I found a cape. I can be a superhero, and anybody can learn these things. You know, I can learn how to hypnotize you. I can learn. I can learn how to how to disappear. You know, I'm just it was just show sucked. Just sucked really bad. And what I found interesting about it is that it is such it is so poorly written and poorly produced uh that NBC bought it because, you know, Heroes, which was excellent its first year but sucked its, you know, subsequent seasons, you know, was run by NBC and I'm just surprised they didn't learn from that mistake. Because this, because really, like I said, it felt like an old show. It didn't yeah, it, feel like a new show. Yeah, it felt like something you'd have seen in the '90s. It really did. And, and you know, it, it was all clearly shot on a soundstage. You know, uh, it had that real artificial, you know, kind of look that I would attribute to like the Flash TV show or the Birds of Prey TV show, both of which better shows than this one. Uh, yeah, Birds of Prey. <laughs> I love Birds of Prey. Not so much. Birds I of love Prey. Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey was dick sweat. Yeah, fuck the ball. I want a muscle bound midget sidekick in real life. I, I, you know, I am willing to be the muscle bound midget's sidekick. Oh, yeah. And anytime somebody makes a small joke, he punches them in the dick. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, bail my midget, my midget out of jail. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can call him Kato. <laughs> Little Kato. Well, I'm, I'm okay with being Kato. That's that or whatever. 
if you have a kiddo, you don't have to do anything at all. You could be completely useless. So you can get good points, a little. And I'm already useless, so <laughs> that is true. There you go, little Kato. <laughs> Coming soon to Tim. <laughs> Hopefully they ship him to me. Well, you know what's yeah. great about that is that he'll fit in one of those priority shipping boxes from USPS. <laughs> if it fits in the box, <laughs> it ships anywhere one flat right. <laughs> Oh, uh, they have to poke some air holes in it. Hopefully. Yeah, no, yeah. Make sure you can breathe. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. That's so wrong. You know, that'd be a way to teach the mailman. You want to set my boxes on the ground? We'll see about that. This box explodes open and out comes, you know, puck. <laughs> Fryer puck. I'll give you Now, wait a minute. We didn't say anything about making this midget Canadian. <laughs> Is, is is that a is that a barrier for you? <laughs> you can't that have the, that was the step too far for me. <laughs> Shit's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, Canadians are real people. <laughs> you know, Wayne doesn't want to hear. I want Uda this box. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing he's he's wearing flannel and, a, and one of those fur caps. <laughs> I don't want my bitches talking about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 hard to follow that up, but I, I but I, I think Amazing Spider-Man 651 will do that for us. Is that going to recover from this high class humor? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're moving from from we people to big time. That's right. Oh, oh nice, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Tim, uh, I want to hear what Tim had to say has to say about Amazing Spider-Man six fifty one because he was he was hesitant on uh, on the whole Dan Slot Umberto Ramos stuff, and uh, we got him in, and he was all psyched. So let's see, what do you think of the finale of the uh, the first storyline, Tim? I I like the finale of the first storyline. I thought that it was a good it was a good cap and it had all the things that I've liked about the book. Um, particularly the the humor. I'm a little bit more concerned about where what direction the the book's going with the next arc, with all of the spider slayer uh, army of insect thing of bobs that they're going to do. That didn't look as appealing as having Hobgoblin make fun of Spider Man through his three issues. Yeah, but I, I don't mean, know. I'm going to give it a try, obviously, but. Um, so I, I have to break it down because the book's split into two like that as well. But overall, thumbs up. I enjoyed it. I, I really dug it. I, I think it wrapped up nicely. I, there was a, a scene in the book where I was really concerned. I thought something super bad was about to happen to Black Cat. Um, you know, when Wilson Fisk, the kingpins, you know, got her by both arms, and he's like, you know, I'm going to rip her limbs off. I'm like, wow, I, I, I really hope that. He doesn't do that <laughs> because, you know, there are many things that you might like to do to the black cat, such as banger like a screen door. But, uh, you know, if there's something you're going to rip off. It's not a limb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I thought it was great. I really did enjoy it. I, I think I think it has queued up the remainder of this of this uh, of this storyline nicely to show you what all's at risk. And you got a nice preview of. Uh, 
you know, some of the things that are likely going to occur in that backup, you know, because they, they had the uh, the Scorpion backup uh, in the book, which I also thought was really well done. I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I enjoyed every page of this book. Yeah, I remember someone a couple of weeks ago being worried about just getting into this book and they start doing all that promo for Death of Spider-Man. I don't know if anyone caught it, but they've uh, they've provided more details and that's Death of Ultimate Spider-Man. So none of us care. Care. Yeah, exactly. I don't give a shit about Ultimate Spider-Man. Kill him. Kill them all. Maybe it'll be the death of the Ultimate Universe too. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'm on board. Well, yeah. And you know, yeah, you know, this was 651, 652 comes out next week. And you know, if folks are looking for a jumping on point, they tell us that Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 654.1 is the place to do that. Yeah, which introduces a brand new Venom. Yeah. It's got art by Umberto Ramos. Yeah. Same writer Dan Slott. Yeah, I'm 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 on board this book. You know, I the uh the artist on the the backup is the same artist who's taking over for the next four issues. Yeah. For the Spider Slayer storyline, and, yeah. and I really dug the art. Same here, and I, I thought that was—I thought that was a nice way to preview what you're going to be getting in the next round of books. What mm-hmm. kind of art is it? Is it a more crisp, clean art than we've seen in Amazing for a while? I uh, would it, say that it, it, it's still in keeping with the Umberto Ramos style. You know, it's—it's yeah. it's, and it still—it still has kind of a gritty look to it. It really—it's really working for me, and I think it's working for the for the series, but. Uh, it may not. It's not as cartoony as Umberto Ramos's stuff, but uh, I, I think that it's still going to be a little bit more stylized than you care for. Yeah. It says, let me know if they I'm, ever have art like a crisp, clean superhero book should, like something like a like what Red Robin has. <laughs> no, this is Stefano Caselli from Secret Warriors and Avengers: The Initiative at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, who I've always been a fan of his art. So, I'm I'm, I'm psyched. I'm I, definitely I think, psyched. And the new Scorpion looks pretty cool. Yeah, and the the new Venom seems kind of interesting too. I don't know. It about looks the like they're Venom. going the hero route again with Venom. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for the look of the new Venom. Really? Yeah, I mean, he just you know he looks like anybody else in a black suit. You know, I just <laughs> I don't care for that. But the okay, uh, now, which one is the new one? Because on the stupid cover, there's this big broody, broody Hulk looking Venom. Yeah, that's classic the, Venom. <laughs> yeah, and then on the side you've got this dude that looks like Solo from 1990, basically. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it, that's the new Venom. That is the new Venom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Eh. So, so I have a, I, I gotta say something about the interview that's on this page. Yes. It says for the first time the symbiote's going to be a character we've seen in Spidey's supporting cast, and I have to disagree because every time <laughs> that has been someone from Spidey supporting cast. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of a, an interesting uh, statement to make, but now, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really liking about uh, amazing Spider-Man is the character of the hobgoblin. And I love how they've set him up as the anti Peter Parker. You know, I, I love that, you know, he's got that internal dialogue going on. You're saying, not bad. Nora's finally giving me the time of day. Uncle Ben's proud. I'm somebody now. Just got to keep Kingpin happy. Keep the tinkerer tinkering and keep the bugle money coming in. All these responsibilities. But with them comes everything I've ever wanted and power. So much power. <laughs> and I just love how it's inverted, you know, the, the with great power comes great responsibility. And he's flipped that. He's the anti-Peter Parker. I love it. This is yeah. very cool. Yeah. 
So does that mean he's married? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. He might be. Yeah. Uh, My my only issue, only issue Mm -hmm. with this book was the kingpin has an awfully small head. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he does. head. (laughs) On, on page three of this book, the kingpin's head is literally a, the size of his thumb. <laughs> it's just it, it took me out of the out of it for a bit. Yeah, it, I, I just kept staring at it. I'm like, hmm. It is just a tiny head. <laughs> I mean, his his hands are you know twice as big as his head. And you yeah. wonder why I have a problem with the artwork. Ah, uh, I did you find. What, Go I, I'm going to miss Umberto Ramos on this book mainly for the way he draws Hobgoblin. I love the way he draws Hobgoblin. Yeah, and, and the new Spidey suit. I love the new Spidey suit. I love all the little gadgets. You know, I, I love that. You know, and we talked about this that Peter's being a scientist, and I love the his new suit. You know, we it was introduced last issue as a stealth suit, mm-hmm. but it does all these other things too. Yeah, and it you know it changes neon colors or whatever as it does it. And I just really dug that aspect. I really like that costume. Well, and I love that Black Cat digs on him and says that, uh, you know, honestly, your new suit looks like an ad for the new Tron movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think this this book's firing on all cylinders. I'm enjoying everything about it. So, yay. So, you know, Amazing Spider-Man's fantastic. Of course, Captain America, man out of time, has got to be just as good. Right, Wayne? I think like it, it is. I've enjoyed this series the entire way so far. It's a very different Captain America story than I think we've seen before, dealing with him right after he wakes up and all. They, uh, they've they already done their first big superhero action, and they just kind of glossed over it because that's not what the story's about. And now this issue, we get to see him basically freaking out, realizing that Bucky's dead and making the, the natural assumption that someone who's been frozen would would make. I need to find time travel and get back in time and save my partner. I don't think we've ever seen that from Captain America before, so it's been kind of interesting. And you get to see the uh, Tony Stark giving him the tour of, here's the world that you helped create. And with all the really uh, bad Tony Stark stories we've seen lately, and all the uh, why would these two characters like each other, it actually is really refreshing to see the two of them just hang out, walk around, talk, and you can see why a friendship would form between them. They cracked yeah, the PBR together. <laughs> when this hits trade, I definitely okay. highly re- you know, recommend it. Okay. It's too late to jump on now since it's already issue three of five. But Remind me who's very writing good. it. Mark Wade. Mark Wade. Who's drawing it? Your mom. <laughs> what? Paul, why you got to be that way? <laughs> nice. We were both thinking of Paul. You just got <laughs> Who was drawing so, <laughs> Apparently, we told you. Uh, Jorge Molina. Okay. Oh, hip hip Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great book. I can't wait for the trade to come out. This is one I'll actually, even though I have the individual issues, I'll buy the trade. So, uh, Paul, will you yes. be buying the trade of uh, Green Lantern Emerald Warriors when it comes out? No, I would imagine not. <laughs> <laughs> so, green after the revelation last issue as to the true nature of Guy Gardner, Atrocitus, and Ganthet's team up um, has been revealed to Guy Gardner's teammates, um, 
Arisia and Kilowog. And basically, they're all pissed off at him for hiding it from them. This is So that's the confrontation we see in Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number six. And I got to say, it's like, you know they're going to come back. Because right. they just like, okay, screw you, we're gone. But you know they're going to be back next issue. So they that kind of took a little bit of the... I was going to say, they better be. Otherwise, it's pretty dumb. Hey, the world's ending, and I sort of lied about it to get you here because I knew you weren't going to like the source of information. Oh, well, screw you, we're leaving. Let the world end. The world end. <laughs> really? Yeah, there was a moment in this book where I felt like, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to pick up number seven. And then, you know, something actually happened in the book at the end where, you know, he, we actually do get to see the big fight scene, uh, you know, with the big three-eyed guy. So, I, I, yeah, I'm in for number seven, but, uh, you know, I, I did feel like, you know, they're just going to come back. You know, there they, go the other two Green Lanterns, but they'll be back. You know, they're all ticked off at Guy. And again, I I think that the whole – we knew that the keeping of the secret was going to end poorly. I really wish that they had figured out a better way for him. I wish that he'd just come clean earlier. I think that would, might have been more interesting than than this big, you know, we're all ticked off at you because you're keeping secrets. Exactly. So what was the secret? That he's got a secret alliance with Atrocitus uh, over on the Red Lanterns, him and Ganthet. And that uh, it involves Krona? Is yeah. that the guy's name? The, the guardian who saw the beginning of the universe? Yes. Who has gone insane? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's not a bad issue. I gotta say, this wasn't a bad issue. It's just, all feels a little generic to me. Yeah, it, it's just not It's just not jazzing me like it, like some of the first, the earlier issues of this book did. You know? I'm just, I'm just ready to be jazzed again. Jazz me, so, Paul. <laughs> So are you going to give the next issue a try? Yeah, I'm in for number seven. Reluctantly. So am I. I don't know if I'm going to stick on after Brightest Day. I don't even know if I'm going to stick if I'm going to stick with it through Brightest Day. Well, I, I, I'm I'm having this issue with the Green Lantern books right now. It's like, you know, I could just cut loose both of them or all three of them, I guess. Yeah, all three of them. You know, you know all of them are, are good, but I could I could cut all three of them and not miss anything because I'm, you know. I just don't feel like those are exciting books right now. Yeah. I stuck it with it after Blackest Night thinking that, you know, the the next thing was going to be super interesting. And I've I've enjoyed a lot of what's occurred, but it seems like it's being overpaced and I'd like it to happen faster. You know, I think they're just trying to keep you in long enough for the next big event. And I'm really not into that. I'd like to have standalone Green Lantern stories. Well, hopefully John Byrne's next spin number two jazzed you. I have always been a big fan of uh, The Next Men. I uh, uh, read it back in the 80s and 90s. You know, Hellboy debuted in the pages of Next Men. He guest starred, you know, the the, uh, Mike Manola character guest starred in a John Byrne book. Um, I have always enjoyed uh, John Byrne's pencils. Always. You know, since since I started reading him back in the pages of, you know, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist and uh, Marvel Team Up and... The X-Men, I just I really do enjoy his art. Uh, don't always enjoy his writing, but I, but I have really dug The Next Men. And The Next Men is kind of like, you know, what if John Byrne were writing The X-Men? You know, it's always kind of had that feel to it. The series ended in the 90s and came back uh, issue one in the third volume uh, started uh, last month. And I loved it. Issue one was fantastic and reminded me why I loved this series so much. And then I read issue two last night, 
And within four pages, I was more offended by this book than I've ever been offended in my memory of any other comic book. Uh, there is a character in the series. Uh, her name is Antonia Murchison, and she's been in the series from the get-go. And she's a, a secret agent, you know, uh, you know, smart, wily, not super-powered, but heroic all the same. And she gets uh, time-dropped into the Civil War South. And I mean, immediately, I mean, immediately after landing in the South, she falls in the middle of Confederate soldiers. And before you know it, they've stripped off her clothes, tied her to a fence post, and have whipped her. And I just, I am really unhappy about how they've treated the character. I mean, just immediately brutalized her uh, immediately in this book. And I'm just like, there are any number of ways to have written this story and left the character with some dignity. I mean, I, I, I fully expect that in issue three, Massa is going to rape her. And I'm just, I'm just disgusted with it. And I'm not picking up issue three. I'm done. Take our silence is, is, is offense as well, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was just grossly offensive. You know, and all all the different characters get dropped into different time zones, but it's the black lady character that gets dropped into the Civil War South, you know, and is the one who is, you know, assaulted, brutalized, and clearly is going to get raped in the next issue. I mean, it is, it, it just disgusts me. So that book was gross, but a book we buy in gross is Red Robin. Yeah. <laughs> and Red Robin 19 came out this week. If only we could get a discount for buying it in gross. If only. <laughs> is, is three really a gross? <laughs> three times 19 carry the four. Eh, whatever. Close enough. Good enough. Uh, although I got to say, Red Robin 19 was probably the weakest issue in a while. Yeah. You know, what I want to rant about is when they're in this virtual reality his costume is so much cooler than in the regular series. Why can't we have that costume? I think this was the test run for that costume. I, think I it hope was it was. Because it was really... I I enjoyed it. It looks like a mix between the Red Robin costume and like a Nightwing costume. Yeah, so basically what happens... To, to explain what we're talking about. So at the end of last issue, Tim uh, Drake was working with Tam Fox to infiltrate some shady Russian corporation or some shit like that. And they're they're taken out at the end of the issue and basically dragged into the Unternet, which is um, a creation of Darkseid and the anti-life equation. And it's kind of like this virtual reality where the villains have taken over and blah, blah, blah. That kind of per- good, a good description of it? Am I thinking... Right way. Basically, they're in the, the a file net group for bad guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got out of it. I mean, Final Crisis was so bad; I didn't make it past a few issues, so I had no idea where they were until they started explaining it. Yeah, exactly. They're like, it happened in the Final Crisis. I'm like, did it? <laughs> I'm not going to reread it, but okay. <laughs> and Aaron gave his away. <laughs> but um. No, I, I, it wasn't a bad issue, and like you said, you know, the the fact that the the Red Robin costume looks so much better in the internet than it does in real life, real life, in the real world. <laughs> the real comic book. I have to say, this book had the best panel I've seen so far this year, which isn't saying much since it's January, but 
There's a panel there with Joker dressed up as Robin with the bloody crowbar sticking through his belt. And then you have uh, Tim Drake in the this new Red Robin costume that actually looks a lot like Nightwing in the back. But just Joker there in that Robin costume with a J written over the R and the bloody uh, crowbar through the belt was probably the coolest panel I've seen this year. So I have a question. So Tam Fox, the daughter of Lucius Fox, or is it niece or is it daughter? I think it's daughter. 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 Okay. So she is trapped in the internet as well. And when she realizes that she has control over her avatar – (laughs) <laughs> she turns into a tall, badass chick with an afro. And, That's and exactly have... what I would choose as my avatar. Fox, <laughs> foxy lady. Yeah, I'm like... Um... I, when you think of me, think of Misty Knight. That'll be me. <laughs> and that's kind of what she looks like. She looks yeah. like Misty Knight. Oh, and, and they, I... they make the pun. She calls herself Foxy Lady. Ah, okay. I guess that makes sense. But I had to imagine that if she wanted an afro, then she'd have one in real life, you know, in the real world. It's like if Red Robin wanted a better costume. (laughs) Not everybody can grow a fro, Paul. I, for instance, cannot grow a fro. But back in the seventies, boy, I'd like to see you try. (laughs) I'd totally rock a fro. Uh. You know the best part of that, Paul, is that Tim Drake gives her crap about it after they get out of the uh, the internet. <laughs> He's like, "Really, Foxy Lady?" <laughs> yeah, because the shame. guy who calls himself Red Robin has much room to talk. Right. So I think everybody's everybody is basically saying that it, it was kind of well, for me and Paul, I, I feel like it was kind of a it was it was a lower book than we usually expect, but we're laughing and having fun with it nonetheless, which is a, yeah. a good compliment yeah. for this guy. So I have to ask a question. Now we're, I think, two comic release weeks into the year. We've all read a couple of DC books. How do you guys feel about the the drop in page count? I think it's hurting the DC books. I'm noticing how short they feel. It's not hurting it for me, and I'm buying more DC books because of the price. But I am annoyed by the, you know, the DC online preview we're seeing yes. at the end. That it's in every book and it's taking up so many pages. I mean, it's not a quick one or two page thing. It's five, six pages. And so it's like you're expecting more story and it ends and then you got, oh, this again for the eighth time. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) I think my qualm with it isn't so much that I feel the story. I I don't know if I have an, an issue with the 20 page story so much as I do with the quality of writing I've seen in the last couple of weeks coming out of the DC, the DC books. Yeah, I enjoyed Red Robin. But, you know, we talked about Green Lantern Emerald Warriors, the other Green Lantern books. I just I don't know if it's if it's a if it's a result of the 20 page limit or or what. But yeah, I've just noticed the, the 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 last two weeks the quality of stories hasn't been too keen on me. We had mm-hmm. Steel which sucked. Superboy <laughs> number 3 but, which but we were in all fairness to- Steel was going to suck regardless of the page count. Exactly. So again, I don't know if it's a, <laughs> if it's a, a result of the reduced page count or if we're just reading shitty books. You yeah, know, DC just scheduled some shitty books in January. But uh, well, I do think that there is that piece to it that you know you can feel the weight of the book as you're reading it, and you're like, oh, good, there's still a whole lot more story left, and bam, you know, next thing you know, you've got you know 
Sodom yacht, you laser visioning, uh, you know, Guy Gardner and it's, you know, next there will be blood, you know, six yeah. pages of, you know, DC advertisements after that, you know, cause you got the DC online thing and then you've got the big double page spread of, uh, Hey, DC nation, we're bringing back your letter page. You know, I just, I, I, I it's, it's a little deceptive when you're, when you're picking up the book, how weighty it is. And I'm not complaining. I, I love the two ninety nine price. I, I'm just not sure that some of these stories were written with the page count in mind because they just seemed to, to end rather abruptly. But, you know, conversely, you know, if you're talking about a three ninety nine book, uh, I'm going to take us back to amazing Spider-Man six fifty one. I feel like, I feel like I got a lot for my book, you know, for that six fifty one Cause I got page after page. I felt like the, uh, the you know big wrap up to that storyline with you know Spider Man Hobgoblin Black Cat I felt like that had a lot of room to uh, wrap that up. Then you got a letters page and you got the Scorpion story and you got the preview pages. I mean, it's a three ninety nine book and I hate paying three ninety nine, but I actually felt like I got something that was worthwhile. Yeah, but I'll say Spider Man's one of the few books where I feel justifies the three ninety nine. Yeah, I agree. Because other books are are regular length and three ninety nine. Like despite my love for it, New Avengers is not a forty page book like Amazing Spider Man is, right? You know, or thirty pages, or you know, a full story. You know, it's it's a regular sized comic book. Yep. Um, you know, you give me added bonus material for three ninety nine. Hell yeah, I'll go for it. But you know, if you look over here at this two ninety nine book, Green Lantern Emerald Warriors, I feel like there's a lot of wasted pages and just really boring exposition. You know, I mean, it's just all this, well, you know, I made this deal, you know, and, and it's all flashbacky kinds of stuff. And, you know, I'm sorry, the mystery just wasn't that great to have spent that many pages on it. You know, I just so I felt like there was some missed spent pages. I think I, w- I would have been uh, more impressed had they spent more in current storyline lines rolling back to the big deal he made with Atrocitus. Yeah. And again, again, we might be looking at issues with the writing, and you know. And I think I think we are. I think we're looking at, at writers who have not crafted uh, stories sufficiently to the page count that they've got. Which brings me to our indie spotlight this week. Seriously, you're going to call it an indie spotlight? It's Image Comics, Paul. It's it's indie. It ish. Indie ish. Okay, what, convince. What do we consider indie? Does it need to be fucking? Mark and Tom's comics from the basement. It needs to be printed in somebody's fucking garage, Paul. That's the rule. <laughs> All right. So, not in our indie spotlight today <laughs> is the Infinite Vacation from Nick Spencer, Christian Ward, and Image Comics, and um, it is the tale of Mark. And uh, Mark lives in a world where. You can pay money to essentially live in an alternate universe for a day um, or for a little bit, basically um, to figure out if you made the right decision. So, like, if you see a girl at the coffee store and you didn't talk to her, you can then pay to live in an alternate reality where you did talk to her Hmm. and see how that pans out. Or, you know, if you had, you know, listened to your college roommate and opened that surfboard store back in college. Um, you know, things like that. And Tim read it. I did. Tim read an Image Comics book. Look at you, Tim. Oh, well, I got to say that the, the comic book guy gave me the hard sell on it. So I was like, well, I'll give it a try. Um, I guess there's a couple, a couple things going on. I, I don't think the cover does it a whole lot of justice. 
I understand the cover when once you've read the book, but looking on the shelf when I saw it, I'm like, I don't know if I want to see a scraggly looking guy in on my comic book cover with no idea what's going on. The story itself and the and the and the idea itself is very interesting about being able to basically go on eBay and, and buy yourself a new life whenever you want. That that's interesting to me. But I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's going to be something that's going to stand up for a whole series. Like if this was a six issue miniseries, I I think that you could have a, a, a decent story. I don't know where you go, where the where the longevity is necessarily. But as a standalone issue, this was this was a, a decent issue, and I'm I'm definitely on board to see where they go next issue. Sounds like Tim went into an alternate reality to give us review. Either that or rolled out his window while he's driving. <laughs> it's not like a garage door came up. <laughs> uh, that, that may not have been me there. Uh. I think this is a miniseries, though. So, I mean, as a miniseries, like a six-issue miniseries, I think it would work. I do, too. Yeah, as an ongoing, absolutely not. But, you know, as a six-issue miniseries, I, I, I'm on board. I actually really enjoyed the story. I thought it was, you know, a, a different enough to get me intrigued and the the art style in it is very unique. So, you know, if I understand the premise, you can, you know, you have the opportunity to go back and, you know, explore alternate choices, you know. So, you know, if you had, you know, talked to the girl or if you hadn't talked to the girl, right? Is that correct. correct? Okay. So, what if I hadn't bought John Burns Next Spin number 2? That's the that's the the universe I want to explore. So what would happen to the Aaron of the universe while he was visiting that universe? You, 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 it depends. Sometimes you swap. Sometimes you have like, there's, sometimes you have what's called a a split. What what was it called, Paul? It's like a split vacation. Yeah, where you actually visit your other person. (laughs) Right. So like the surfboard shop was an actual, uh, an actual thing in the book where he's talking to himself. And the other, the other thing is, is that, it, it it's like go talk to your therapist. Well, you're your own therapist because you wouldn't lie to yourself or whatever. Yeah, so you go to the reality where you're a therapist. It's kind of funny. Yeah, they're like no no one knows you better than you, so you're your own therapist. Right. <laughs> bah, I lie to myself all the time. Every time I pick up books, I think this is going to be a good book. Book. But no, it's 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 an interesting premise, and uh, I think it's really well done. So I actually recommend checking it out. It was it was worth it was worth the it was worth the flyer. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, so anyway, obviously, if Tim is venturing out of his comfort zone of three or four books a week, it's been a slow couple of weeks these first couple of weeks of January. Right. So you know, I know we've picked up a couple of trades, trying to get caught up on different series, things like that, reread some some stuff we liked from years back. So. Aaron, I, I know you, uh, you've been reading that Superman Doomsday trade. Yeah, this great big huge honkin' Superman Doomsday, The Aftermath, which uh, tells all the stories after the death of Superman featuring Doomsday. And, you know, it's got like the Hunter Prey story in here, the Doomsday Wars, etc. And, you know, the, the, having read uh, that terrible, terrible Steel Number 1 uh, prelude to Reign of Doomsday, um, it's kind of timely – to read it, and I gotta tell you, the uh, the Hunter Prey book stands up. It is a really a solid read. 
Um, and so are some of the other books in here. You know, uh, I'm flipping to find what's all is in here. Doomsday Wars, uh, Doomsday Year One Annual. But as you move further back, they start adding things to Doomsday. You know, because you, you ha- we, we had talked before about how, you know, um, Doomsday had been you know taken over by Brainiac, and so you had the fully conversant Doomsday. But you know that was just Brainiac essentially possessing Doomsday. But then they started then- actually putting some intelligence in him later in the book, and the mo- the more they make him smart, the less interested I am in him. Uh, really, really have disliked it. And so I mean, you start with these fantastic uh, stories like in Hunter Prey, and it ends just awful <laughs> with uh you know doomsday having intelligence and you know talking to superman and saying you know i cannot be stopped you know i will not be stopped you know he's kind of a one-trick pony but i just the more they they make him anything less than an an environmental force of destruction i am i am not interested in that and i it's really interesting to read it all in one sitting and see how you know, effective the character is at the beginning of his creation and how the character just falls apart going forward. And I think we're seeing that in the Reign of the Doomsday book, you know, where, you know, Doomsday's sprouting metal and, uh, you know, having a plan. You know, he's like a Cylon. He has a plan. <laughs> Don't do that. He'll say long goes. <laughs> <laughs> so Doomsday doesn't know Spanish? Espanol? He does not. He does not. He does not. But, you know, if he was to get his ass kicked by, you know, somebody who spoke Spanish, he would then be able to speak it because, you know, he evolves that way. Like a midget. Like yeah. a Spanish-speaking midget. So, you know, maybe if you had the tarantula, you know, coming. Speedy Gonzalez? Oh, I like it. Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, according to Steel, he just needs to be near it because Steel certainly didn't kick his ass. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, he would evolve his Spanish-speaking skills. Now I know. <laughs> Who you getting crazy with us, eh? <laughs> so all we need to do is ship Doomsday to Texas here. Is that, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then you would have your bilingual Doomsday. <laughs> if you have a cowboy hat and a belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw, Superman. <laughs> I like it. That would make the character more interesting. <laughs> Aaron would buy that trade paperback. I totally would. If he was rocking a Stetson and some and some Ropers, oh yeah. And quoting John Wayne. Uh, <laughs> <Pilgrim>. <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the both of us. I like it. <laughs> the question is, Tim, does Doomsday pass the milk crate test? I'm I am a hundred percent certain he passes the milk crate test. <laughs> Unlike something that you bought in recent weeks, Wayne. Mouse the mice and mice guard would pass, you know, the milk crate test. They have swords, they can chop it up. They can kill a freaking bear in this book. Yeah, Tim. Anything that can kill a bear passes the milk crate test. Must have been boo boo bear. They were in Jellystone National Park. <laughs> I would I would pay for that crossover. <laughs> and so with all the other books that haven't been coming out, I finally had a chance to get the uh, the trade of Legend of the Guard and get all caught up on what you guys have been uh, reviewing. I guess months ago at this point, and 
I have to agree with a lot of what you guys said. The it started off great. The first issue was an incredible story, and I enjoyed the the whole book. But not all the stories held up to that first one. They definitely led off with their strongest foot, and it kind of went downhill from there. Uh, I I was annoyed by how many retelling of other stories there were. You know, I didn't need to see the mouse and the lion. I've seen that story before. I would have liked something new. You know, I didn't need to see an exact adaption of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Raven. You know, something new would have been nice. It wasn't exact. It had a mouse in it. <laughs> it was totally different. <laughs> Only in appearance. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was as strong as the regular mouse guard trades that are, you know, expanding the story. It was interesting. It was an interesting take, and some of the stories were pretty good, but not quite all of them. Mm-hmm. So other than that, from the library, I picked up Dark Avengers. And I was not into Dark Avengers when it first came out. I was stuck on that whole, I'm sick and tired of heroes fighting heroes, and I don't care about Norman Osborn and his Avengers and all of that. And I have to say, I was pretty pleasantly surprised by by the story. I mean, I still dislike most of those characters, but there was there was definitely a lot of interesting twists going on that I missed out on by not jumping on the Dark Avengers when they first came out. And Sentry still sucked. Yeah, yeah, the Sentry sucked basically throughout the entire series. It's a universal creation. Yeah, yeah, universal constant. It, it feels good to know dead. some things. Yeah, it feels good to know some things don't change. That's right. Indeed, you know. <laughs> Uh, so one thing I wish didn't change was Ed Brubaker's writing on Captain America. You know, when when Ed Brubaker first started on Captain America with uh, the current volume, it was just damn good superhero storytelling. All the way through the death of Captain America and Bucky taking over the role of Cap. And then yeah. something happened. <laughs> and I, I don't know if, if something happened like in real life or what but reborn happened captain america reborn and we hated it hated it hated it hated it but you know i i i've been kind of thinking you know let me get back into the cap universe again you know i i I, my pull list is kind of fluctuating a little bit i'm thinking about picking up some different titles dropping some other titles things like that and um, so I was like, you know what, let me pick up the two post-reborn Captain America trades. One's called Two Americas, and the other one is um, – ah, fuck if I remember. It's got, <laughs> it's got Baron Zemo on the cover. But that, I really wanted that one because I've always enjoyed Baron Zemo as a character. So uh, I, you know, I read both of them, and I got to say, the quality of writing in Captain America has significantly gone down since Reborn. Yeah. Yeah, I was buying those as individual issues, and I never got to the Zemo storyline because Two Americas was horrible. It was a painful read, and it made me drop the title. Yeah, Two Americas was freaking terrible. You know, No Escape was a little better, but it was still like, you know, Ed Brubaker is is a good writer because he's he's very detailed. He's very involved. His stories, you know, have a lot to them. But you know, he 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 always knows where where everything's going, and No Escape just kind of seemed lost to me and it was it was the heroic age the first heroic age story 
And it just, it, you know, it's got nothing. And we've already said the heroic age was a misnomer. You know, it was just kind of a banner they threw on the books that had nothing to do with the content. And um, it was just really just kind of poorly written. And the art has gotten significantly worse. I just, I, I, I did not enjoy either trade paperback. Um, and that's saying something because I, I, I do like Ed Brubaker very much. And I do like Bucky Cap, and I like Baron Zemo, and you, you had all those things, and I still didn't enjoy either trade paperback. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bummed, but uh, it looks like I'll just have to, to look elsewhere for a, a, a new ongoing to pick up, because, you know, despite my like of the Captain America character, I, I guess I'll just have to get it from, uh, wait, he's Man not even time. in New Adventures. Yeah, from Man Out of Time, but that's, that's not Bucky Cap. I get no Bucky Cap anymore because he's not in New Avengers. The regular is, Avengers book is Avengers? Iffy. Yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's Avengers, Tim. <laughs> oh, you don't have to tell me. I'm just trying to help you out, buddy. Yeah, I'm 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 a little disappointed because I I do like that character very much, but um, I, I just don't see him being written well right now. Yeah, I'm afraid they'll do away with the character to take the costume away because sales will go down and they won't realize that sales are going down because the writing went down, not because of the character not being interesting. Yeah. Well, preview art for Fear Itself has shown Steve Rogers in the Captain America costume looking at a broken Captain America shield. So it's kind of like foreboding. It's not looking good for Bucky Cap. Poor, poor Bucky. Poor Bucky. He's going to die again. As he should. <laughs> you know, next week is actually, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty decent week for me. I, I've got a lot of stuff coming out next week. So, in, including Young Justice number zero, which uh, I don't know if, I, I think I'm going to pick it up. It ties into the com, to, to the cartoon series that we're enjoying. And by tie-in, he means the same damn story. <laughs> no, I don't think, it's, well, I hope it's not an adaptation. That would suck. But um, no, I, I'm gonna give it a shot. It's two ninety nine, and uh, you know, hopefully, it's not poorly written like some of these things are. And it's written by someone who works on the TV show, Greg Wiseman, who's also um, he was a, a a big writer for that Gargoyles TV show from Disney. Am I the only one who remembers that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we all remember. <laughs> but uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to Time Lincoln. Apocalypse Mao. Very excited about that. <laughs> it's no Darkwing Duck number eight, I'm sure. <laughs> now, is Nobody anybody is. picking up Invincible Iron Man number 500? That would be a no. <laughs> be sure and get Matt Fraction back on the show for you. What, does he actually put out an armor on it? I don't know. It's on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Now, y'all, uh, I guarantee Wayne that will have a reprint. And per your New Year's resolution, ergo two with you should not get that book. Ergo two with, <laughs> etc. Now y'all just poo pooed on my time link in Apocalypse Mao, but touched by the power of the void, Abraham Lincoln continues his cross time crusade to stop the fiendish forces of Void Stalin. The tyrant of time. Now Stalin's power has galvanized an enormous Asian nation into attempting world conquest in the 1920s. Lincoln's team joins forces with two of history's greatest aviators, Amelia Earhart and Lucky Lindy, to take down Apocalypse Mao and his Time Fighter Squadron. 
I didn't poo-poo it, Aaron. I just ignored it. Okay, well, <laughs> just like I did the last thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, uh, you're you're really excited about that one, huh? I am actually, yeah. Did you see they have uh, an ad for Time Link and Jack to the Future, which is uh, John F. Kennedy team up? Oh, uh, no, I didn't see the ad, but I'm so on board for that. <laughs> I need to build a bitter, bigger milk carton for Aaron to test out the times, I guess. Exactly. If Time Lincoln can't, can't handle this milk carton, Time Lincoln does not need to be purchased. Uh, but we've got Amazing Spider-Man 652, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. And, and a new uh, Witchblade. Yeah, and a new Witchblade. The Avengers the final Academy. part of the Wolverine. I'm sorry. Avengers Academy. Who gives a crap yeah. about that book? Well, Everyone but you. But you. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it. I think next week is going to be the first week this year that I buy more than four books. Yeah, same here. Dungeons and Dragons number three comes out. Pick it up. It's good mm. stuff. You don't sound convinced. <sighs> That's I'm because teetering. we're not. I'm teetering, I'm teetering Paul. We'll see. Because <laughs> I don't want to just get three, but that means I have to get one and two first. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. So, Paul, Green Lantern Corps, number 56. I am going to pick it up. Uh, I think it's the final part of that uh, Weaponer storyline. If, if See, the bad thing is there all these Green Lantern books are about to die together for the War of the Green Lanterns. Right. So if I drop one, I have to drop all three. But... Okay, just checking. I, I, I think I might be okay with with doing that. I just I'm gonna see how things pan out. Probably another month on all of the books. So did anyone else flip through Spawn 200 on the rack today, this week? I did. I flipped through it and I put it back because it was 4.99. Yeah, it was too expensive. It looked horrible. Not even having Robert Kirkman write it could save it because you know he's not as uh, everything he writes doesn't seem to be gold like it used to. He's more hit or miss these days. Well, and uh, what happened to uh, uh, fucking Image United? Are they I, still making that? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it in forever. Image fail knighted. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. I don't know why they keep trying some these crossovers with Image. Image books are better separate in their own universe, not connected to the others, because they're so universe sweeping just in their very nature. It just every time they do a crossover, it grates on me. Yeah, but no, uh, I, I I did not pick up Spawn 200. Uh, I was tempted, but it just didn't seem worth it to me. Yeah. Bah. If you had your iPhone Infinite Vacation, Paul, you could see if people were trying to sell universes where you bought that book. Exactly, and I would see how it worked out. I would pay thousands of dollars just to see what would happen if I bought a $5 comic book. <laughs> it's a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a universe exists where I bought Spawn 200. Maybe they'd be paying <laughs> you to take their universe to trade out. Yeah, exactly. Like an upgrade. Right. Could we see a universe where Red Robin keeps the new costume? Could that be our universe? Oh, uh, accessing. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You you can write a letter to the DC Letters page, Wayne. <laughs> what is it? It is D, D, submit your letter at www.dcletterspage.com. Do it. Plug the podcast. <laughs> www.dcletterspage.com. Topic. I guess this falls under other DC comics because it's not Batman, not Superman, not Wonder Woman. It's Batman. It falls under Batman. 
the house of Batman. All right, we'll put it under Batman. We are not staying on this while you write. (laughs) (laughs) Best radio ever. (laughs) Message. Red Robin's costume sucks. Please. Sucks or? Yeah. Okay. Sucks. (laughs) Or. Please keep the new one. It's lead. From <laughs> issue nineteen, sent. I don't. I'm there we sure go. It's not going to end up in the letters page. No, it, it will. It totally will. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everybody that comes, listens to this podcast should should join Wayne in his letter writing campaign. That's, that's right. This is the same message. So the, point <laughs> the editor in chief's like, I've got 500 emails saying that his costume is sucks or. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we've provided the template, people. It's up to you. That's to right. That's right. Only you can save us from crappy costumes and 20 page comic books and reprints in the back of the book <laughs> and ads from DC pimping their stupid game. Ooh, maybe I should do that as the next letter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I like this web page because I've never sent a letter to a comic book before, and, we and it's here. so easy to just go on the site and you know type it in. I, and we were here but, for that first time. We got to experience Wayne popping his letter writing cherry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Unlike Wayne, plug the podcast. <laughs> Did you really want me to plug the podcast when I was typing in Red Robin's costume sucks or <laughs> is that really the is that really the glowing endorsement of this podcast that you want? No, the next one you send, you should spend 20 minutes crafting it professionally yet elegantly and then put the podcast name. Em- employing, you know, a, a generous use of the thesaurus. But you know that yeah, 20 minutes your you're word, crafting Wayne. it? <laughs> Maybe I should crafting it. We're not going to be there for. How's that sound? <laughs> Maybe I should have name dropped cardboard crack instead on that last one. No. Oh, that would have been that would have been the move. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, that note, and gentlemen, we bid you adieu. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Hip hip hoor hey!